Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. This is The Great America Show, and we're delighted you're with us in the fight against totalitarians, whether abroad or right here in America. They're the enemies of peace, freedom, and this great nation of ours, where we celebrate each day our freedoms the American way and truth and justice for all. And while we do our celebrating of America, the Marxist Dems are working hard to destroy this great nation that was once ours. American citizens welcoming legal immigrants, happy and grateful and productive, only a handful of whom chose not to assimilate within a generation or two. And as best we can speculate, President Biden and his Marxist puppet masters mean to create a massive flood of millions more illegal immigrants than they brought in in the first year of the Biden presidency. They brought in an astounding 2 million people, released 1.6 million of those illegals into cities all over the country, the largest number of illegals crossing our border in history. Now emboldened and all but unchecked, This month, the Biden plan is to bring in even more illegals, about five to six hundred thousand illegals a month, which would mean another five to seven million over the next year. That's why Biden's masters want him to drop Title 42, which gives Customs and Border Patrol the authority to send illegals back to Mexico or wherever their home country is to prevent contagious diseases from entering the country before illegals can apply for refugee status. In other words, Biden puppet masters are not only further opening our borders to an ever larger tsunami of illegals that will be an utter catastrophe for America, it also leaves our Border Patrol helpless to stop the introduction of highly transmissible, dangerous diseases from anywhere in the world. And as a footnote in all this, Aside from the never-before numbers of illegals, don't you find it more than curious that no one, and I mean no one, is talking about a travel ban on China, even though China is locking down some of their largest cities to stop a new and obviously highly transmissible variant of the original Wuhan virus? There's a lot going on here, and none of it good for America or Americans. And no one, And I mean, again, no one is demanding to know where the Biden regime is placing all of those illegals who are being flown to all sorts of places all over the country. Why not? Why isn't there a transparent and fully complete record of who has been taken where, at what expense to the taxpayer, and how much money is the Biden regime giving these people and on what legal authority? We've known for years the Marxist left is in league with corporate globalist elites, 
and the transnational narco-cartels. And they're behind most of the human smuggling, sex, and drug trafficking across our Mexican border. And as of this moment, the globalist elites, the Marxist left, and the transnational cartels are without challenge, obstruction, or hindrance of any kind, and certainly without explanation, apology, or shame, this evil coalition is pulling off the biggest crime of the century. And this has been a big century for crime so far. The motivation of this coalition of evil hasn't changed. The corporatist elites want illegals for labor. The Marxist Dems want them for votes and the cartels for ever larger markets for their drugs and human smuggling. The question persists, what has Biden done with all those illegals? Where will the millions to come this year be set? And why won't anyone tell us where they've been distributed, placed, and for what purpose? Are they being sent where the left needs their votes this fall, perhaps waiting until 2024? Are they being sent where corporatists need their labor, domiciled in vast housing projects near factories or placed in labor camps near grain fields and produce fields, in cities for work, in construction and trades? Maybe all of those reasons. We don't know. This is simply the quietest invasion in world history. And as the Marxist Dems would put it, one of the largest migrations ever. And it's more than illegal. It's downright evil. And our government is working against us, against the United States. That much I'm sure of. How about you? What do you think? Let us know. Other invasions are on the minds of world leaders today. What will Putin do next in Ukraine? in Moldova? And what is Xi Jinping up to as the world watches the grim Russian war against Ukraine? Will President Xi create a two-front war for the United States by invading Taiwan? What's the likelihood of a wider and perhaps nuclear war? With us is one of the country's foremost experts on Asia, communist China, and its designs on world dominion. Russia's unlimited strategic partner, China. Our guest is Gordon Chang, attorney, author, and great American. Gordon, it's always great to have you here on the Great America Show. Uh, just delighted to have you. I, I want to turn first, of course, to one of our mutually favorite subjects, and that is China. Uh, this outbreak in China's uh, largest city uh, in Shanghai uh, and the problem that is obviously getting worse in China uh, and that is, of course, the COVID virus. What is going on? Well, Omicron BA2, the subvariant uh, that is ripping through Shanghai and uh, China in general, um, the, Beijing has no defense against it. Um, it believes that isolation is the only tactic. And so therefore, it has imposed the most draconian lockdowns on the people in Shanghai. Um, originally, this was supposed to be temporary just for testing purposes. Now they've extended it, um, and we are seeing the effects of totalitarianism in China. And by the way, Lou, this is having an effect that Americans will feel in about a month because it is severely disrupting supply chains. For instance, cargo volume through the Shanghai port, the world's largest, down 40% last week, probably down more this week. Air traffic uh, cargo through um, Pudong Airport. That's down 97%. Wow. Uh, and um, this uh, Omicron BA2 
has now started to affect Guangzhou, the capital of Guangdong province, which is China's factory floor. Um, Omicron went through Guangdong earlier when it closed down the Shenzhen, which is uh, an important tech hub, also in Guangdong province. But now it's reached the capital there. And, and Lou, this means that China is basically sawed off from the rest of the world. Sawed off from the rest of the world. And, and what is stunning as I listen to this, uh, <laughs> Gordon, this is, uh, this is BA2. This is supposed to be a, a viciously transmissible virus, but a mild uh, to almost non-event in terms of symptoms. Uh, what is the disconnect here between the Western perception and the experience in China? That's the same in China, Lou. Um, so for instance, over recent days, China's been reporting about 25,000 cases of Omicron, but only about 1,100 or so are symptomatic. But nonetheless, um, Beijing has, takes uh, a what they call their zero COVID policy. And by zero COVID, they mean they are not going to permit any transfer of the disease. So um, people are confined to their homes. If they get COVID, they can't quarantine at home. They have to go to these massive facilities. People are tested almost daily. And the things that Beijing is doing, by the way, these things are actually spreading the disease. So for instance, people have to line up for COVID tests periodically, um, and people just transmit the disease there. They're transmitting the disease in these quarantine facilities um, because a lot of people who are quarantined are actually COVID negative. Um, this is makes no sense from any perspective except from the perspective of one person. 1.41 billion Chinese people don't count, but it does help one guy, and that is Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler. He is considered to be the author of the zero COVID policy. He believes that any criticism of this policy and any deviation from it will undermine his chances to get a precedent-breaking third term as general secretary of the Communist Party. So um, this may make sense for China's ruler, but not for anybody else. You know, a number of questions flow from what you've just said. One is, many people will be surprised to hear uh, from you, Gordon, that uh, Xi Jinping uh, has some uh, there's some opportunity for him not to be a uh, coronated uh, dictator for life uh, this fall. And because most people think that's already a done deal. So where how tenuous uh, is his position, if at all? Yeah. If we were to go back a year, maybe 18 months, it was a done deal. Remember Xi Jinping, by grabbing power from everybody else, um, made, made himself totally accountable. So when things were going China's way, um, Xi Jinping got all the credit. Um, but recently, things have not been going the way of Beijing. And so his enemies have come out of the woodwork. There are um, um, evidence of intense infighting at the top of the Communist Party. Xi Jinping probably will get his third term. Um, in October or November, that's when the Communist Party, if mm -hmm. the schedule holds, if the schedule holds, will hold its 20th National Congress. Um, but uh, I think that this is not a near certainty or done deal as it once was. Um, as I said, he probably will get it, but um, there's a lot that can happen between now and then. Uh, there are a lot of things that are really causing heartburn at the top of the Communist Party, COVID being only one of them. 
But COVID right now, I mean, first, there's this reflex. One is here comes another disease, but it's actually been here already. Uh, here comes another disease from China. This disease, uh, are they? I, I assume the part of the reason for the lockdown is they're they're afraid about the the rate of mutation in this variant. Uh, is that part of the case? It, it is part of the case. Um, there is, and this will get a little controversial, um, but China has really only two vaccines: one made by Sinovac and the other by Sinopharm. There are a few others, but Beijing doesn't administer them. Now, these two vaccines are barely effective against COVID-19 in general, but they are not effective at all against BA2. And that means that uh, basically you have people who have been vaccinated, but it's not helping them. And um, China has not, because of political reasons, I believe, has not imported either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. And um, it has uh, not, for the most part, imported foreign therapeutics. This is political because they cannot be embarrassed by not being able to produce an effective vaccine. So the Chinese people are relatively defenseless against this. Now, as you point out, um, Omicron BA2, not very virulent, but it is uh, highly transmissible. And this plays into something else, Lou, and that is in the early part of the pandemic, Beijing was using its low reported case and in death numbers to say that the Communist Party form of governance was superior because we were having a lot more cases uh, and deaths. Um, But now when the U.S. has more or less recovered from this, at least for the meantime, Mm -hmm. um, we look pretty good and China looks pretty bad. And this goes to the Communist Party legitimacy. This goes to their whole attack on American democracy. So this is not just a question of the Chinese people getting sick or being confined to their homes. This is a question in the minds of many Communist Party leaders of the survival of their ruling organization. I would also like to then now turn to some other uh, sources of agitation, uh, agita and uh, heartburn for Xi Jinping. One of them certainly must be his new best strategic partner, Vladimir Putin, who is clearly revealing to the world that Russia is a Potemkin village. Nuclear arm, maybe, but otherwise an an incompetent military that we thought was uh, superior, advanced, uh, and and the uh, second most powerful in the world. Uh, Is that one source of agitation for uh, Xi Jinping? Yes, it is. um, Because C has been identified with this um, full support of Vladimir Putin. Now, we know that there are many officials in China who are very skeptical and are frustrated and do not like um, being on the side of the world's villain. But they don't count, Lou, because in China's political system, it's been Xi Jinping. So Xi's fortunes have risen and fallen with the advances and retreat of the Russian army. And what we are seeing now is that China is backing away in some measures from support of Putin, not because Xi Jinping um, wants to, but because the U.S. is putting pressure on him. But this is where it gets really interesting. China then has supplied um, Serbia, a close friend of Russia, with anti-aircraft missiles and perhaps other equipment. 
This was done in the last week. Um, and it is likely, uh, certainly possible, but I believe likely, that this equipment will show up on the Ukraine battlefield in the hands of the Russian army. If that's the case, then the Biden administration has got to sanction China. They should have been doing it already for a number of reasons, but clearly this passes a red line that the Biden team has established. So Xi Jinping is doing all he can to support Putin. And this is, again, another one of those things that a lot of people in Beijing are not happy with. Not happy with. I can't imagine how unhappy they'll be if indeed it were to draw NATO into a full-fledged response to Russia. Uh, he has his, his military is on display now for all the world to watch. Uh, and it is a far weaker organization than anyone ever dreamed. Uh, for uh, I think that we would probably find out that much is the same case uh, with China's uh, vaunted PLA. Uh, this is, if Russia is this deficient militarily, I can't imagine uh, that China's two million man army uh, would be a lot better. Am I wrong in, uh, in that inference? Yeah, you know, this is something that's an important issue that you raise, Lou. I mean, we really don't know how effective the PLA would be in a full-scale fight. We know that it can beat up small neighbors, but even um, we go back to the night of uh, June 15, 2020, when China launched a surprise attack against India. Mm -hmm. um, the Chinese army performed very poorly um, at the uh, small unit level. Um, and this has been causing, I'm sure, um, some concern about the way the PLA would be uh, perform in larger scale uh, engagements. The, the thing about China's army, it's got a lot of equipment. Some of that equipment and some of its weapons are better than ours, far better than ours. And we have a uh, armed forces, which is in disarray. But the point is, um, we have a single chain of command, which is critical in a war. China's army uh, has two chains of command. It's a communist army. It has a military chain of command, like every army does. But it's also got a political chain of command, which is more important than the military one. This is like the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And this means that we don't know how China would be able to adapt. I'm sure that they would do very well in the first couple of days of a war. But after being punched in the face, um, the question is, could they react well? That's the real test of a military. And we don't know the answer to that, Lou. Uh, it's, it's an open question, certainly, uh, about that military. Uh, it's no longer an open question about Russia's military. Uh, they are disastrously led and it appears tactically have no concept of what they're doing uh, much, uh, of course, and we have to credit the Ukrainian defenders greatly armed as they have been with anti-tank systems and anti, uh, at least uh, rotor aircraft uh, weapons that are highly effective. Uh, and to see this, the, the awful uh, carnage that has been wrought by the bombardment of uh, every Ukrainian city, it seems, all that's left is rubble and ruin and uh, and basically foundations and a few walls in too many places. Uh, but the the Russians are, are doing this strategically. They are destroying Ukraine before our very eyes. Uh, and I just don't see how this resolves, frankly, because the damage they've done, the reparations that would be due in any kind of uh, a 
an agreement uh, approaching uh, an armistice uh, would have to uh, involve significant reparations. Uh, your thoughts on that? This is a critical issue that you raise, Lou. You know, people will have said, look, after the Versailles Treaty that ended World War I, that reparations on the losing party um, are ill-advised. It caused the resentment in Germany that led to World War II. Mm -hmm. I understand all of that. But this is a different case because I believe that when the war in Ukraine ends, the costs that we must impose on Russia should be as severe or more severe than Versailles. The reason is we have to have a lesson for China. China is looking at Ukraine very closely. It's gotten a lot of lessons from this. Many of these lessons are ones we should not want to teach the Chinese. And that's due to a failure of the Biden policy. But the way this could end favorably from the viewpoint of the international community is that Russia is um, has uh, um, enormous reparations forced out of Ukraine. God knows what else. Because China needs to see that if it were to start an invasion of Taiwan or Japan or the Philippines or renew its invasion of India, that it would face the most severe consequences. So right. this is not a, really a question of Ukraine and Russia. This is a question of China and the next war, because we could see conflict in Ukraine spread both east and west throughout the Eurasian landmass. And that means essentially what people would call World War III. Yeah, and I and I think you raise a, a number of very good points, and uh, they're guideposts to what policies uh, the Biden administration should be following in the weeks ahead. But there will not be time for a, a dithering as they did for three months this this winter, knowing full well that Putin planned to cross that border into Ukraine uh, with the the troops and weaponry uh, and vehicles that it had massed on the border, the uh, the western border of Ukraine. Uh, this is a, a point of which the Ukrainians may be simply the uh, the focus and the center center ring, but the other rings in this particular tent uh, are Belarus and Moldova. And it looks to me right now uh, as though Putin is clearly thinking about an invasion that uh, that puts together those two flanks on either side of Ukraine. Uh, and I think he means business. And I don't think that NATO yet is prepared. I don't think uh, Biden and his national security team quite comprehend what's happening in front of them. Uh, they couldn't understand what was happening when they were they were in stasis. Everything was frozen before the invasion. Uh, so I'm I'm very worried about that. And, and the Chinese, by the way, ought to be worried as well, because this is a full on conflict will engage China. And China, because of its sheer scale, you have to introduce all sorts of new uh, ideas, which are, frankly, tactical nuclear weapons. You're talking about nuclear war at some level, uh, whether it's all out or whether it is uh, incremental. A nuclear war is, to me, it seems uh, imminently possible. You're right about that. Remember that the Biden's inadequate response to help Ukraine is, I think, in large part due to Biden's fear of Russia using either tactical or strategic nuclear weapons. Biden has actually said this. He says, you know, he's talked about 
nuclear war. He's talked about World War III in connection with Ukraine. And Russian doctrine is, as they say, to escalate to de-escalate or escalate to win. And that is either threatening or using uh, the world's most destructive weapons early in a conventional conflict. Well, China has been making threats to use nukes all along. This is even before Ukraine. You go back to July of last year, China threatened to incinerate Tokyo because of Tokyo's express support for Taiwan. Then in September, um, Beijing threatened to uh, nuke uh, Australia over Australia joining the Mm -hmm. AUKUS pact. That's Australia, UK, and the US. Um, It periodically makes threats to um, destroy American cities. And by the way, the threats against US are unprovoked. They are unprovoked. The Chinese military on the 10th of March actually threatened the quote unquote worst consequences to the world. So China has learned that nuke threats work. And that means they could use them with regard to Taiwan or whatever. And um, at some point, the United States needs to tell China and Russia that the U.S. has a nuclear arsenal as well. That's when this really gets dangerous. But we got to do that, Lou, because if we don't, if we allow Russia to continue to use these threats and gain ground, China will do the same thing. And that means that uh, China will not stop until it is stopped. And that means um, China believes that it has the right to annex the world. And that world includes the United States of America. Uh, and and clearly, the United States has two uh, two aircraft carrier strike groups in the South China Sea now. Uh, the the Vincent and the Lincoln uh, have been there since the early part of the year. Uh, it's clear that the Pentagon is preparing uh, for potential conflict. Hopefully, that this is a deterrent. But there is no question when you put that many. Uh, carrier strike groups, you're talking about a very serious response uh, in the waiting to any any initiative on the part of aggressive initiative on the part of of China. Yes. Um, and by the way, China is perfectly capable of sinking a U.S. aircraft carrier. Um, we assume that they wouldn't do that. Um, but China's done a number of things recently that uh, has taken us by surprise. Even people like me who have a pretty dark view of China's intentions, um, we have a very dangerous situation in China. We have a leader, Xi Jinping, that we talked about, who has a low threshold of risk. We have a nation which sees a closing window of opportunity. um, And the place is just at a point where anything can happen. And I'm afraid that we have a national security policy team led by President Biden or not led by President Biden in some cases, um, that is not capable of dealing with the world's challenges. We saw that in Afghanistan. We saw this in Ukraine, Lou. Remember, the US and European Union and Great Britain have an economy that is greater than 25 times the size of Russia's, and yet we couldn't deter this small country. Um, And the Chinese have learned that, by the way. And that's what makes me really concerned about what's going on in East Asia as well as what's going on in Eastern Europe. One of the greatest failures of American foreign policy occurred this February. Well, I assume you're referring to the strategic partnership agreed upon by Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin. Which led to the Ukraine war because Beijing greenlighted the invasion of Ukraine and has supported Russia materially throughout the conflict. And we also have, speaking of smaller nations, North Korea, 
actually ridiculing President Biden for his, uh, well, his inability to speak coherently, to forget himself, forget where he is, where he's going. Uh, and, and Biden does make mistakes, no question. But he's making them in, on the world stage and creating even more dangerous uh, situations as a result, don't you think? Yes. Um, just to go back to two things we just talked about. Um, I think that it was ill-advised for Biden to talk about new world order, um, which yeah. he did. I, I think it was ill-advised for him to tell the American people uh, not to worry about nuclear war. It was ill-advised for him to talk about World War III. This was feeding into um, Putin's um, um, basically playbook um, and has allowed Putin to make even more threats to incinerate the world. Just to give you a little bit of a timeline, um, Putin was making these threats um, to use his strategic arsenal. He did that um, about the time he started the invasion of Ukraine. He put his nuclear forces on high alert on February 27. February 28, Biden talks about nuclear war, um, told the American people, don't worry about it. March 1, the following day, Putin actually sorties his ballistic missile submarines and his land-based nuclear uh, uh, launchers, mobile launchers. This is, um, as I mentioned, a dynamic that the Chinese have seen, and they think they can make the similar threats in their territorial ambitions. And those ambitions will be first, uh, the first attempt at blocking those ambitions uh, in the South China Sea will be those uh, aircraft carrier uh, strike groups, the U.S. carriers. Uh, you, you talked about the, they had the ability to destroy a carrier. Uh, I suppose in, in terms of probabilities, possibilities, uh, that exists for a number of nations. The question is, can they effectively carry out that, uh, that effort uh, with a, a hypersonic missile right now, uh, because that is, uh, I presume, the weapon that they would attempt to use to destroy those uh, carriers. Uh, is that what you were referring to? Yes, and they also have non-hypersonic cruise missiles that are supersonic, but not hypersonic. Uh, and by the way, they have missiles with longer ranges than we do. And it was uh, only because President Trump took us out of the Intermediate Forces uh, Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty, INF, that we are now developing countermeasures because we were, uh, as was Russia, bound by INF. China was not. This left uh, the U.S. Navy critically vulnerable because their missiles were um, better than ours, longer range. Um, it was important for President Trump to do that because at least now the Navy, which is a troubled institution, but the Navy is now at least um, working on missiles that can match China's. So we have considerable challenges just to get to the, uh, to the battleground, uh, is what I, I believe you're saying. And, and I think you're exactly right. The announcement uh, today uh, that the U.S. Navy is shrinking under Biden's cost-cutting. He goes around talking about how he's building the budget, the building back better for the military, which is pure nonsense. In fact, he's cutting it back. Uh, the Navy will scrap 24 ships, including including five cruisers and uh, two Los Angeles-class submarines, while China uh, is building at an abs what I think many people thought would be an impossible rate. They're building 
their Navy by leaps and bounds, uh, moving out ships every week uh, from their dockyards. Uh, your thoughts as we wrap up here. This is, uh, we've, we've, we no longer have the world's largest Navy. China does. And when you add in China's maritime militia, um, which is not included in the traditional count of Navy ships, um, we are very much behind China. Um, we also have a Navy which is just troubled. Um, it has incorrect strategy um, for a number of reasons. And as we've seen from the two collisions of the Arleigh Burke destroyers last decade, plus the fire at the Bonhomme Richard a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. this is a Navy that has management problems. But one other thing, Lou, and that is sure. this is a problem across the Pentagon. They in the Pentagon believe that there's a conflict with China. It will be in the 2027, 2035 timeframe. Therefore, they are scrapping current weapons and ships. The Air Force, for instance, is taking 20 Raptors, the best plane in the world, out of service. Um, they want to do this to pay for modernization for the future. I believe that if we're going to have a fight with China, it's going to be now. There's a reason why some analysts call the 2020s the decade of concern. So we have a Pentagon, which is not just the Navy, but especially the Navy, that is preparing for a conflict in the wrong time frame. Time frame. The conflict could very well be now. Yeah. And the, the Marine Corps is undergoing a, a revamping. It's being reconstituted, repurposed. Uh, it's mindless, in my opinion. Uh, but that it is what the, the Marine Corps is doing. The Navy right now has a cadre of senior officers who are risk averse in their strategic thinking. It is a, it's a very difficult time uh, for the command structure of the U.S. military. The Pentagon is filled uh, with uh, what I would call semi-competent leaders. Uh, and in point of fact, many of them proven losers, whether it be the conflict in Afghanistan or Iraq. Uh, they have not distinguished themselves, uh, and it is a, it's a deeply troubling time. Gordon, you get the last word here, as always, and thank you for being with us here, my friend. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more about the U.S. military. Um, it is deeply troubled through all of its services. Um, and, and as you point out, the most important um, failure is that we have a risk-adverse officer corps one that's much more concerned about following um, social diversity dictates from the president rather than fighting the Chinese. As a friend of mine, his son is in the army, um, had complained to his dad, dad, our army is not lethal anymore. Mm -hmm. That is the reality. And thank you, Lou, for raising that. Gordon Chang, as always, thanks for being with us. We really appreciate your, your words of wisdom and your insight. You're a great American. Thank you, Lou. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Gordon, and God bless you. Coming up here tomorrow on The Great America Show is none other than our friend Mike Lindell. You know him, outspoken, irrepressible, and great patriot. He's an immensely successful entrepreneur selling occasionally a little-known product that everyone loves, the man behind and the man in front of my pillow. Mike has declared war on voting machines. He wants us to go to paper ballots to assure electoral integrity. And he's gone to court to make sure that's exactly what happens. Please join us here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. And God bless America. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.